hello, everybody. Um, Dara Boyle here with the All Access All Sports Podcast today. Um, I have a special guest, um, James Musa. Um, he has three international caps for New Zealand, um, has played in America for the last few years, um, also in other places, but lately he's just been in uh, St. Louis, Sporting KZ, Swope Park Rangers, lately at Phoenix Rising, and is just a current player now for um, Minnesota United. Um, James, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Good, mate. Good, mate. It's a pleasure to be on. Second guest, I believe. So I'm just hoping to uh, see if I can uh, pick up from where Benny left off. See if I can uh, keep his high standards. Because he yeah. is a podcast enthusiast, you know. He's got his own podcast. Yeah, <laughs> he, he takes them quite serious. I enjoyed my chat with Benny. But um, I'd like to get started, right? Yeah, I know like this summer, like you love travel. Um, and you love going places and doing different things. Where's your, where's your favorite place you've visited so far? My favorite place, man, that's, that's a tough one. So I always put it like this. I have a conversation with my fiance and when we talk about going places and traveling, like it's, it's a bit different for me because a lot of my travel has been done through sports and for sports. And on the off chance I do get, you know, actual time to, to travel for the most part, it's going back home, right? Like it's since I've been in the States, it's, it's going back to New Zealand and seeing family or going to the UK and seeing family or likewise going to Africa and seeing family. So I don't consider those so much holidays. Um, so I pretty much took my first like real holiday this past off season with my fiance and we went to Jamaica, which was incredible just to actually just relax on the beach and chill for a bit. So I'd have to say out of all the places I've been, Jamaica, for the food, the vibes, was probably up there with one of my top places. Yeah, I mean, I remember looking at both of your um, stories on Instagram, it just looked like you wouldn't think it looks like that sometimes, right? Or you wouldn't see, like, you. I remember some stories you looked like you met some really cool people. Um, and I know you've had some Jamaican teammates, so, like, going to go see their culture and stuff. Um, it's kind of interesting. And that's exactly it. You know, when you go, when I try and go somewhere, you want to feel that culture. You want to feel, you know, like you're learning something when you go to that country. And a big part of their culture, you know, is music. And we made it a point to go up to Bob Marley's house and experience that and, and see some of the kind of landmarks they had there, not just kind of chill at the resort and, and do nothing. You know, I, that's a big thing for me. When I go somewhere, I want to experience what that place actually is. So, so let's go to your, one of your big names, um, football sides you went to was Fulham, um, mm. right? Creative Cottage. I figured out that you were signed on the same day as, do you know who you were signed the same day as at Fulham? Or you don't recall? Berbatov. Berbatov. <laughs> <laughs> two big signings in a day. <laughs> I thought, what? Two legends. Um, that, I thought that was just... That's pretty cool. Like, like most people like sign for a club um, by themselves on a day. Um, normally, you don't see two guys. But I, was there any pitchers that day, or he was? Well, I think. Or what do you call? Recall. I believe at the time I was in New Zealand when I signed the contract. So yeah. while I was traveling, because this was right around deadline day, you know, at the yeah, beginning yeah, yeah, of the yeah. season. I, so I, I think. That. So I think for Berbatov, it was a big deadline day kind of transfer. 
Whereas for me, I was just the young guy coming into an academy. So um, obviously I wasn't a big deal, <laughs> um, but for, it was still crazy. Like just that, that's that experience alone being at Fulham. And like you mentioned, Berbatov, um, that was where I, my eyes were like, really like these guys are another level of, uh, of class. And how was that move? Like you're looking at, like you're used to kind of playing um, New Zealand, Australia, and then you come to England, right? It's, like, how did you view your, growing up, like, looking at English football or European football? Was it different? Like, the culture, was it a big shock or was it new or exciting or? No, well, it, would, it would, had always been a dream for me to play in England. Being English, born in England, down in Plymouth, um, and then my family obviously moving out to New Zealand when I was a young kid. It was always my dream to play in England and to be able to fulfill that it was only for a short time, but to be able to be there and, and fulfill it um, was really special. Um, and obviously it came off the back of the Olympic Games, which was, which was in London as well. And that was obviously a special moment for me, being able to compete in an Olympic Games in my home you know, country um, where I was born. That was pretty special. And you're playing games in stadiums that you, know, you see every day or every weekend on the TV in the Premier chopper. League. Yeah, we played a game in Old Trafford, which was, which was, you know, I mean, I still remember that experience like it was yesterday. The game finished. So our captain for the Olympic team was Ryan Nelson, yeah, um, yeah, who yeah. at the time was the captain. I think at the time, 2012, I want to say he was, I want to say he was at Tottenham at that point. Don't quote me on that, but I want to say he was at Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. And I think he, you know, after the game, I got subbed on at Old Trafford. We played Egypt. I was marking Mohamed Salah. Um, and the game finished and we we're kind of going around the crowd, the 60,000 people, and we're all clapping. And, you know, and I turned to Ryan Nelson. I said, man, I feel like I've just played in a Premier League game. Like the, the, the feeling of like knowing you're in Old Trafford and seeing 65, 70,000 people just going mad. Like it was, it was a surreal experience that I'll like never, ever forget. Yeah, as a, as a Manchester United fan, um, you kind of jumped straight into that whole um, Olympics segment, but who else did you end up playing in that um, London um, Olympics that you're kind of watching as well while we're talking? So we had um, in our group, we had Belarus, Egypt, and Brazil. Yeah. And let me tell you something about <laughs> that Brazil team. We, I've never seen so many stars in one team in my life. <laughs> that team was stacked. I mean, you had guys on the bench, like their bench was, I think it was Pato, Oscar. Um, I think Hulk was on the bench, you know, the, 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 the team was just full of stars at that time. And they were all up and coming because this is eight years ago. Um, and that was, I mean, my parents came over for the Olympics and just being, because we all had to stay in the same hotel. So my parents coming in were just like in awe of all those players and just the fact that we, we could intermingle and chat with them was just next level. We were playing table tennis with them, playing FIFA with them. Like it was a whole nother level. Yeah. I think you and Benny are both Olympians. Benny went to the Olympics as well. Yeah. Benny, but Benny, Benny went, Benny's another uh, Olympian in, a, in another way, but, but like to say like James Musa, I am a, an Olympian. How does that like make you feel like there's so many people, right? Get to, um, represent their country in one way 
whether that's through sports or anything else, but like to be able to like walk out and listening to, um, I know you, you're from, you're from England, right? But look at your second home, right? You got to represent them. How, how did that feel? Like, like, like you can't describe it. I know a little bit, but like, does that like forever talk to your children about it? Like I did this, like, it's one of the great things, you know? I mean, I think football's kind of sport on his own, right? So your ultimate goal for a footballer is obviously to play in a World Cup. Or if you're European, to play in the Euros or a World Cup, something like that. Correct. Um, you don't expect to play in the Olympics. I think for every other athlete that, that does any other, you know, track and field and all those kind of things, their main objective and dream and goal is to represent their country at an Olympic Games. Um, and so when you kind of look at it from that perspective, it truly is an honor because there's a lot of people in this world, but only a certain percentage of them can say that they're an Olympian. Um, so I really, uh, throughout that process of going to the Olympics, I, I wanted to make that experience as get as many memories from that experience as I could. Um, so, you know, we weren't able to take part in the opening ceremony because we were already playing at that point. But going back to the village after we were knocked out and watching, you know, intermingling with all the other country athletes and going to the events, um, all those kind of things, going to the closing ceremony, that, those kind of things are memories that I'll have with me for a long, long time. And it just, it just sucks that back eight years ago, we weren't all carrying iPhones and all these yeah. things where you could just snap a video and a picture and kind of have it. So I regret obviously not, getting that side it's kind of the, the memories are just in, in in the mind at this point um which sucks but yeah i'll never forget that i think back home you know when you compete for new zealand they you get like all the suits and you know all the olympic attire and you get um a number so your olympic number and i don't want to quote it off the top of my head but i think there's only been like a thousand Olympians from New Zealand, you know, in, in total. Yeah. So to be one of those thousand people is, is pretty special. Yeah, no, it's, it's crazy. I've had two Olympians on two episodes, so I'm doing pretty well. Um, <laughs> you just uh, need to get some, like some proper Olympians. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually went there and won something, have a medal and whatnot, but I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, and then eventually look at you eventually came to America. Um, USL, you've won, you've won everything in USL, right? You, you, you're a winner. Not you're everything. Winner. Not everything. There's one that eludes me. Which one? The champ, the actual championship. I've lost. No, I didn't, I didn't. I didn't want to get into it, but you've won almost everything up to it. Um, yeah. But you've been there a few times. You, you've been to the final, um, the unfortunate side of it. Um, but how, 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 what does winning mean to you? Or, or what's your mentality of winning? I know you get up every morning, you go to training, but how do you, how, for, for a pro athlete, um, for young listeners listening in, like how do you get that mentality and then keep it for a long period of time? Like as soon as you probably left that time for Fulham, right? You, you learned it pretty quick. Like there's a mentality I need to get to or whatever, whoever showed you at a young age. Like how do you keep that up through today, through dealing with COVID? Your, your pro mentality, like what, what are your tricks or what is that you have that you work on for mentality? Is there anything to continue to be a winner? It's a good question. And it's a, it's a tough one to answer. Um, I would say that, you know, you're right. It's a mentality. 
And I think it starts with like a desire and a hunger. And obviously if you don't have that hunger and desire and you don't know where you want to get to, it makes it more difficult. Um, so I would say for me, a big thing about me is most teams and places I've played in my career, I've been successful at winning and winning trophies. And obviously that's not a hundred percent down to me. It's, you know, there's a collective, there's, it's a right. team sport. Yeah. So it's a collective, but I truly think momentum is a big thing. Um, especially with sports, you know, you start, you win one game that turns into two, turn, two turns into three and suddenly you, you walk out, there was some sort of like presence. There's almost like an aura around the team. Like we're not losing this game. It's, it's kind of in your mind, like before you walk out there, like we're going to win this game. Um, and if you can walk out with that kind of approach to the game, I think nine times out of 10, you'll end up winning it. If you go out there with fear that, mm, I don't know if we're going to win this, it's going to be a tough game. Yeah, it's going to be tough. You know, you're probably not going to win. Um, and I think that's what the best, you know, your top athletes in the world across all sports, that's the mentality they have. You know, LeBron James doesn't go out to a basketball game thinking he's going to lose, <laughs> you know, they, they, yeah. they know they're going to win and they, and they make sure they do everything to do it. And obviously that comes from preparation, um, looking after your body, um, doing the right things, watching video, watching film. Do you watch film on yourself? Are there things that you can correct about yourself? Um, all that is going to make you a better player and help with that winning mentality. Yeah, so I kind of left out the USL Championship final, right? You haven't officially achieved it. But look at, you You, you almost screamed down down the phone there to me about, look at, we, I haven't won that. Like, I bet you would love to go back and be able to have an opportunity in a game to win that, which goes back to show your mentality. Like, you really care about it and you really want to get back to it. But you've mentioned winning one game, two game, three game. Phoenix Rising, you won 20 games in a row when, on, on a streak. How, how does that work? There's tons well, of factors. You know, every, I feel like every team at the beginning of the season or every coach, manager around the world is like, we want to win, you know, stay undefeated at the beginning of the season, right? You want to stay undefeated as you can. And we didn't get off to the best start. We had a bit of trouble. Um, I don't think we won a game in like the first five or six games of the season. Seven. And then, I think it was seven almost, yeah. Seven games, yeah. And then we got our first win. And then that kind of just turned into four and a half months or something, five months of not even dropping a point, which personally, um, I've been a part of one other team where we had a long streak. And that was before I came to the States when I was playing in Melbourne. I, I believe we went the first 10 games unbeaten of the season uh, winning, sorry, the first yeah. 10 games. And that at the time, you know, you're kind of three games in four games in, you're, you're looking around everybody just going like, how are we doing this? Like, <laughs> like how, how is this happening? Right. And I had that same deja vu when we started doing it with Phoenix, you know? And, and like I said, we, we would joke about it, not joke, but we would talk about it as a team and, you know, individual conversations off the field. And you, you kind of knew like, we're not going to lose this weekend. Like we, we would kind of walk out on the field knowing like we're not losing. And I think that presented like a, you could call it arrogance, but it presented almost a fear in our opponents. They would come to Phoenix knowing like this isn't going to be an easy game. You know, these guys are, are dangerous. They're going to score. We can't leave ourselves exposed. But we just knew like we had enough experience on the field. And if we just limited our mistakes, we knew we had the firepower up front to score goals. And we managed to do it for 20 games, which – I mean, we set all kinds of records last year. 
Um, records I truly can't see being broken, you know, very soon. You know, I mean, 20 games. I think, did Liverpool beat it? I don't even think Liverpool got 20, 20 wins in a row. They, they were close to it. I'm not a Liverpool fan, so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not into yeah. them that much. But I think, I think, look at, like, it was definitely the most in American pro sport. Um, yeah. Better than MLS. Um, I think you guys beat some records that was only at like six. I think it was originally, yeah, 14 or 15 or something like that. Yeah. Um, but like, I, I just took some notes on it and, and Lubin had 13 clean sheets. Like that's yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. Some of the games that obviously weren't clean sheets, you guys were down and came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and the greatest one about it, right, is everyone has a fear of coming to Phoenix when it's the summertime. Mm-hmm. 120 for some of those games. It was May 4th was the first win till mid-September, five months, yeah. as mm-hmm. long as the coronavirus almost till yeah. as long as it's like, I think um, it's unbelievable. And how did, how did, how did it work? Like you talk about arrogance and this and that, like tra- training still has to happen. You still have to deal with the heat um, that you, you're winning. Right. So, so, so then does this practice does practice level rise up in those occasions? Does it, decrease because we're winning like how how was how that group because it's a really unique group right yeah I mean it has the, the training level has to rise based on the fact that um just because you're winning doesn't mean that you're you're right. guaranteed to play right because like you said there were games there where we came from behind and we didn't perform to the level that we we knew we could perform but again those games where we were behind that builds like character in the team to be able to know that man, we're, we're one nil down with five minutes to go here and, and suddenly pull two goals, two goals out in the last, you know, five minutes plus extra time, something like that. Like, that makes the win even sweeter, but it also brings the team even closer. Um, then you get into the kind of training and you ha- we had such a talented squad from one to 24 or however many players we had that guys that were sitting on our bench really could have started for most other USL teams. Um, so you know that your spot's not safe. If I, if I mess up, I have a bad game, the level of competition right behind you is right there waiting for that chance. So you almost have to – that, you know, you can't – the starting 11 can't be prepared to play those games in the weekend if the rest of the squad aren't there fully focused and determined to help them. Because at the end of the day, when, when the starting 11 wins, everybody wins, right? Like it's a right. team sport. Yep. So. We're, we're all in it together. Not one person lifts the trophy and keeps it for themselves. It's the team lifts the trophy. So um, everybody kind of knew their roles and responsibilities. And I think we just, it just clicked for us. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and you talk about clicking, right? Like not, not many guys are jumping from the USL to MLS, right? And, and obviously you guys had a good year and there's some other teams around the USL had players jump. And I know we talked a, a few times over, um, you, what we would call the off season back there and um, teams, right? And how, how great was that move for you to, to where you are now in, in Minnesota? Like how, how did that feel to say, look it, I'm, I'm getting to the next level um, again yeah. after the season you had? How, how, how did that make you feel and stuff? Well, obviously it made me feel, feel great that, you know, I want to start by saying that my main goal in coming to the States was to play MLS. I didn't come here to, to just pick up a contract and keep playing, you know, at a level that I was comfortable playing. I wanted to push myself every day and 
and play in the top league. That's always been why I came here. Um, and obviously I was able to do it with Kansas City while I was there um, and had to go back down to USL um, for two years, which in my opinion wasn't a bad thing. It enabled me to get, you know, 50, 60 more games and a couple more trophies under my belt, a bit more experience. Um, and now I've made that jump back up to Minnesota and obviously loving it here. The, the level's great. The guys are great. We've got a great squad here. Um, again, you know, Minnesota's not known to be a winning team, but somehow, again, I find myself on a winning team. Um, you know, we, we've we done a little bit as well. Yeah, we've done exceptionally well so far, and obviously we're looking to kick that on. But, I mean, I just want to say, you know, for people that may be listening or have any interest in this, you know, my – it really, I get a, a little salty on the whole USL MLS issue because, in my opinion, there's some very, very talented players in the USL um, that don't get a, a shot and don't get um, the promotions that they deserve. And I think the system within US soccer right now, um, they highlight foreigners, whether they're coming from South America or Europe or wherever they're coming from, they're highlighted and paid at a, a much higher rate than if they were just to pr promote people from the USL. And I, and I don't think the level of talent in the USL is far off what some of these MLS players are like. It's just they've never been given that opportunity to actually kick on and, and see what they're like. Um, and I think that's a real shame. And I think it's something that needs to be changed because you saw it with our team this you know, Phoenix last year, we had three guys that, you know, moved up into MLS. Um, three of us that have already had experience up there before. That could have been a, a factor of why it was us three. I don't know. Um, but you can see that when these USL players do get promoted into MLS and do get a chance to play, that they're, they're doing well. They're making, you know, you don't, you don't look at them and go, ah, he's just a USL player. Like, they're very much on an even even scale it's just how it's perceived by the people running the show yeah like like, like you go into that like uh, I, I have my thoughts on it too right like why like the college draft is what it is right but why wouldn't you not take a chance on bringing uh, an elite guy in his position from the usl into your team and make that position a little bit better than trying to bring a kid from college in right you get a little yeah. bit of experience you have a guy that's playing a longer season um, he knows the pro game. He understands it a little bit if he's coming from the right environment. Um, and that, that's my thing, right? If you're, if you're going to take a kid out of the college right route and bring him in, why wouldn't you not bring a USL guy that's almost used to the exact same schedule, traveling? Um, I mean, obviously, maybe it, if you find the right players, I think, I think it's really doable. And we should see more um, USL players come up. Well, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think... The risk, <laughs> the risk. I think there's, there's a lot less risk in promoting someone from USL than there is from drafting someone from college. And my reasons behind that is that, well, you have someone in USL that's proving they can do it week in, week out. They're proving it right now. Now, you bring someone in from college, it, I know that's how the system works here, but you know, nine times out of ten, the club's not even interested in that player. They're just, they do it for the sake of the draft. And they bring them in for preseason. They bring them in to, to make numbers for preseason. And then they release them. And that's not right. You know, like, why are you bringing a guy in that has no experience over 
maybe someone that probably deserves it from USL. Now it's not saying that like, okay, we can draft these, these, these draft players can go to USL. And if they can prove that they're good enough in USL, then they can make the jump up to MLS. You know, I don't have all the answers. It's just, that's my opinion on the situation. I mean, I can throw a name out there right now for you. Like you got Flemo right now at Phoenix, just bagging goals for fun and got released from New York Red Bulls. How does that work? You know, when they'll sign someone, you know, from South America for, for a ton of money, but they won't promote Solomon Asante into MLS. You, don't, you know, scoring 20 goals and getting 20 assists in a season, that's, that's not an everyday occurrence. You know what I mean? Like, you don't score that amount of goals and get that amount of assists and still be in the, in the USL. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, if, if Flemo's not in an MLS, if no one in the MLS gets Flemo next year, it's it's crazy, man. Because the, I mean, the guy came and he's he's done well for Phoenix. There's guys on Phoenix. There's guys at Louis Louisville that have done well for the last three years as a whole team, a group. There's players on that team that could be whether it's a super sub, um, a starter that if someone goes down in a certain position that could help, but. Um, well, look at at the end of the day, I'm happy that you're you're back in the MLS and, and and happy, you know. Yeah, and like I said, I just want to see more people, you know, being promoted. As you know, I want to see a value held on on what USL is because, in my opinion, the level of competition in USL is very high. The level of talent down there is very high. They just need to use what's in front of them and promote from within rather than bringing people in from around the place, you know? And uh, like, like you said, there's, there's talent all over that league. You, you named Louisville, they're getting to finals most years. That means they're doing something right. That means their players are doing something right. You know, you, you don't just win. I mean, what did Louisville win? Like back to back USL? Was it they, almost, they almost, they almost got a three peep, I think this year. So they've done yeah. yeah, that's right. They lost in the yeah. final, right? So you don't get there by mistake. That's not, that's not an accident, you know, getting there three times in a row. And so for some of those players, they've been there the whole time. But Correct. if you're winning the USL every year, where else do you go? Like if MLS team's not going to pick you up, well, where do you go? What do you do? Yeah. Yeah. What do you challenge? Where's the challenge? Where's the next challenge? If you've just won the league, got to the final three years in a row, you know, for those players, that you're telling them, well, you've reached your peak. And it's like, but these players have more to offer, but no one's giving them a chance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's not a risk. Like, what, what type of a risk is paying someone? You're only going to get the minimum in MLS anyway. What type of a risk is that? When, when they're proving it, we can, like, you, you can go back and watch the games. <laughs> yeah, right it's, there. A, it's a low risk, right? Compared to the college, maybe a high risk. Um, you know, or even signing people from you know, other countries that may be young players that haven't actually played a lot, maybe, maybe come out of an academy with a big name or, or something like that, you know, the, the risk is much lower. Like, even if you were, like, because I know someone like Solar, right, he's going to want more money in MLS than he's getting in USL, which is, but the, fa the truth is, is that most MLS teams, they're not going to pay him what he wants. Why? Because he doesn't have an MLS. He's never played an MLS, or he's not coming yeah. with a big name. But where's the risk in that? These, te these, these teams, uh, you know, billionaire owners and, you know, can pay this, this money. So if you sign him on a one-year contract and he turns out to be a flop, well, what was your risk? He goes back down to USL.
But if you sign him and he turns out to be an unbelievable, your best player, you look great. well, you've just got a gem, <laughs> a cheap gem, you know? And, yeah. and that's my, my, my fear is that a lot of these players will never reach their full potential because they're being held back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate um, for some. And look, I hope that there's some guys around the whole USL league that get some opportunities, hopefully in the next off season and get to um, try and fulfill their dreams in a way or get to the next level of what they want. Um, yeah. Kind of moving forward recently, um, you were in the MLS bubble. Um, a lot of different topics about the bubble. Um, I was I was going for you guys to win it. Um, what did you like about the bubble? What did you not like about the bubble? Is there any honesty to the bubble that if you were in charge of it, would you have done it different? Is there anything to make it more fun? Do you wish Disneyland was open and only you guys were allowed to do the rides? <laughs> oh, how was your experience in the bubble um, outside of kind of playing? I know although it was probably good for some banter and some fun with the lads, but what would you do if you were in charge of the bubble? Um, that's a good question. Well, since it was obviously, yeah, I think MLS did a good job. You know, all in all, they did a good job putting together the tournament. Um, it's funny because when we came back, I mean, we were down there for six weeks. And six weeks might not sound like a long time, but when – you don't have the ability to go anywhere except for the hotel or your room or, you know, maybe to the pool. Your options are limited to what you can do. <laughs> and then you come back to, you know, reality, which is life back in Minnesota. And you have to drive 30 minutes to training and you have to drive home. And I was saying to my roommate on the way to training, I'm like, man, it feels like we have so much less hours in the day right now because we're not less time because time never went slow in the bubble. That's, that was one thing that the time never went slow. It was always like you look at the, you come home from training, you'd look at the clock, it'd be three, four o'clock already. And you're like, damn, time's going quick. But suddenly now you're like, well, I have to get up at this time because I have to eat breakfast and I have to hop in my car and I have to be at training at this time. I'm going to be fine. Whereas like, we kind of just like would go down, get breakfast, hop on the bus, the bus, you wouldn't even be driving. You weren't thinking where you were going. The bus just takes you to training. You hop off your train, you get back to the hotel, you shower, and then you just do what you want for the rest of the day, you know? So there was no thought. There was no like thinking, what am I going to do now? It was just like, well, this is what we're doing, you know? And now coming back here, having the freedom, it's kind of like, oh, like I'm, I'm confused by this freedom. <laughs> yeah. It was I've, weird. Anything you would change? Anything you, you you loved about it, um, or so the I think the best part you know for me was the fact that we were forced to have to be together as a team, and that's not something that usually happens with within team sports where you're going to go away for an extended period of time. Preseason's about the only time, but then again, you're in preseason. Let's say you're in, you know. Portland for preseason, you're going to know someone there. You're going to have the freedom to go out and see things and whatever, right? You're not confined to your hotel. But here we were forced to have to, you know, we were playing poker together. You know, we, we would do all types of things where we were having banter. So, like, people that I may not usually hang out with, I was hanging out with. And so I think everybody just got a lot closer. And I think that showed on the field um, with the results that we got. Um, 
And that's the good thing about the squad we have here is that we're all just like proper hard workers. Like we all come in, we all graft every day. Um, we're not afraid of hard work. We may not play the best like brand of football, but you can never deny our work rate. And I think we all buy into it. We're all like pretty close. Like there's not one guy on the team where you're like, mm, I don't know about that guy. Like we're all pretty close. Yeah. Um, and the bubble really helped us with that. Um, and yeah, I'm just hoping that we can continue kind of to stay as close as we are now being back in Minnesota. Yeah, no, one of my, I know you probably didn't experience it, but if you talk to other um, people that watch the games regularly or, or whatnot, the, I think my favorite part was in each half, you'd get a little few questions to the coach. So we'd go over, grab the mic, talk to us, um, to whether it was Taylor Twelman or whoever was, was doing it. And Adrian Heath, right? This guy sounds like what a coach. Um, he's done a lot of things, obviously. Um, how how how's your interactions been with him so far? I mean, like he, he's probably got kind of almost the same type of banter as you. He's kind of a funny guy, straight up. He's honest. He's a winner, and he wants to win things, right? How how would you describe him? Like I thought he was one of the the best managers to listen to while on it. Um, you have anything to say about him? How you've got closer to him? Like look at you gone to a new team and to be in that type of bubble and understand how it actually works there. It's probably the best thing for you in a way compared to just turn up the preseason and just like you get, you get a little bit more of an insight to the coaching staff, what they want from you um, and those types of things. How, how's time been with Adrian Heath? He seems great. Yeah. Our coaches uh probably, I mean, they're English. For a starter, we have two English. I coach and assistant coach are both English. Um, both played at a high level. And so they know the game. But their banter is just next level. Like, it's the only team where, like, I've had, like, proper good banter, like, coaches. You know, where, like, <laughs> some of the things they say, you're like, he really say that? <laughs> but like, uh, I think that just adds to kind of, like I said, like, the kind of team morale we have here. It all feeds into it, you know. And it starts from the top, trickles its way down to the players. Um, I honestly, I haven't watched our games back, like, the live broadcast. So I don't know what he was saying on the, on the mic. Um, but he is an old school English coach, um, you know, played before any of this technology and, you know, GPS vests and all these kind of things. So he's very much about, you know, hard work mentality, um, work harder than the other team. Um, and I will say that when we prepare for games, um, against the team that he knows, like you said, he knows how to win. He, he knows how to set the team up to get results. And his big thing is, you know, you can play tiki-taka football and keep it around your box and have 45 passes before you put it in the net. But at the end of the day, no one's going to remember that. People are only going to remember the result. And I think that that's a very true thing. You know, like we played Kansas City in the first game down there in the bubble and we were we one nil. I think we were 1-0 down. Yeah. And we came back and we won 2-1, like, right at the end of the game. And we got, you know, for large parts of that game, we, we were outplayed, you know, with possession and things like that. But at the end of the day, people only saw the result, you know. Yeah. The result was 2-1 to us, and that's all that matters. We can go back and we're happy that we won. We came from behind and this and that. And, and so those, like, little things that he kind of says, it's like I learned something different from every manager I play for. 
and I'm definitely learning a lot of things from Adrian and, and the other coaches. And, you know, I'm thankful for that because it all adds to my character too. Yeah, no, like, I think you're going to have to go back and find some of those clips. It's just, you can, you can see his banter um, within how he answers those questions. And he just seems, you can see why you guys were winning games and a little bit undefeated um, while it lasted. But you mentioned sporting, right? Um, MLS is coming back um, Friday, home match versus sporting. Um, the new stadium. Um, I know I've seen pictures of, of you posting about it and you, you guys have got to scrimmage in there and whatnot. But to actually play a game in that stadium now, look at no fans, it is what it is. But that stadium looks pretty sick. Yeah, we actually just trained there today, this morning, actually. Yeah. We played a little 8, eight, eight 9v9 nine in there. And the grass is immaculate. The stadium looks, you know, unreal from being in there. I just, for me, it's just not going to be the same because it's not full, you know. And although it doesn't make a difference to me, whether there's, like, to my performance, whether there's fans or no fans, like, when, when you're in the game anyway, the stadium could be full. You don't notice it because you're so locked into the game and you, you, your focus is somewhere else. But to know that, you know, there's not going to be a big wall behind the goal jumping up and down and screaming. Cause I haven't seen that with my yeah. eyes. You know, I haven't, yeah. I haven't actually experienced it. So um, I'll be really, I don't know if re relieves not the right word, but I, I would say happy, excited by the fact when we can actually get in there with, with a full stadium. Yeah, though it's, um, it looks like a pretty, pretty, pretty unique stadium. I know it, it's, it's one of the, the fairly new stadiums in the league. Um, but it's exciting to see you guys get back um, playing and whatnot. But here, look at my podcast is all about um, the time is now. Um, and look at before I actually jump into the segment, I'll, I'll reverse a little bit. In the bubble, the first night, um, there, there, there was a, a little ceremony. Um, maybe is I don't know if it's the right word, but look at um, the – there was a group made um, about kind of um, the diversity, the stuff happening in the world, um, everything like that. And I know you were one of the guys of, I know there's about seven or eight of you from Minnesota that were able to be on um, that field that night with um, um, the Floyd situation. Um, a lot more than that, right? It goes, it goes beyond that. How, how, how did that feel? Like, what, what went through your mind while you were standing there, sitting there, um, kneeling there? Um, how was that? Like, talk me through it, right? Or what, however you want to take it, right? How was I got, that? I got the word that you were missing before as well. You wanted to say demonstration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The demonstration. That's what you're yeah. looking for. But, um, looking for. yeah, we uh, – I mean, if I can go back to that night again, um, I'm just getting goosebumps now, like, actually. Yeah. I've actually thinking too, about yeah, it but um we we all had our each team had an individual you know bus to get there so when we actually arrived at the at the fields we were all you know where the bus is parked we had to walk you know probably about half a mile to get to the field and when you're walking you're, you're kind of seeing all these other teams walking as well and all their other you know black players that are uh are coming to join this this demonstration and you know to see the amount of people that were there first of all took me back i was like wow i didn't realize there was this many people that were like me you know like yeah. <laughs> that are here 
And, you know, there were some teams that had 10 guys. There were some teams that had three, four guys, right? But everybody showed up. And, you know, we obviously talked about it a lot. We, it was a lot of planning. You know, the players were all on board with it. The league was on board with it. Um, we wanted to make, you know, come out and, and with the Black Players for Change group and really make a statement, you know, to the public and to the nation. Let, let them know, like, we're here. You know, we, we're standing right now. Um, and, you know, when, when everybody's fists went up in the air and I think we held it for, oh, it was, it was a fair amount of time. I don't even know. It was, at least, time, six, it was at least six minutes by the time it started, um, on, on, by the time it started and it ended, you guys had a good okay. you know, finishing. It yeah. Off. And I mean, our fists were up in the air for a while and there was a, that was, you know, that wasn't easy to do. I don't know if you've held your arm above your head for that long, but that's not easy to do. And, you know, when you're kind of sitting there thinking about it, you're like, I'm getting, again, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, but there's a lot of people in this world, especially in this nation that have had to deal with a lot worse than, you know, having their arm up for that amount of time. Um, and it's my hope and it's everybody's hope that was involved with that, that, we can use our kind of platform and our voices and make a change. That's why we're called the Black Players for Change, right? We want to make change within sports, within this nation. And that goes through throughout the board, you know, that's education, healthcare, all these systems that need to be changed to be equal, right? Um, I don't want to get too much into it. I mean, we could be here all day talking about it, but um, yeah, again, going back to that night, it was just, it was super special. I think, again, it brought all those players closer together. Now you're seeing it because you're seeing everybody around the hotel, right? Like you, you're walking around. It, now you're saying what up to people that you've just seen there. And like they know you were a part of it. I was a part of it. We're all for the same thing. We all we may not know each other, but we all think kind of similarly, you know. So um, I think that was a special moment. I, I don't think that will be recreated again within MLS. So it was, it was an honor to be a part of it. And, you know, that, you know, because – Although being born in England and, and being raised in New Zealand, um, a lot of these issues in America haven't affected me personally. Um, but I understand the issues and I support the issues and I can see that things need to be changed. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that. And it blows my mind that, you know, people are still out here denying the facts. Um, you know, but I also have you know, a big part of me that, you know, my, my father's from Zimbabwe, right? And um, so I have a whole family in, in Africa and, you know, they suffer from severe poverty and and food and, you know, corruption and everything that's going on over there. I mean, and so I, I felt like it was within my blood and within my like heart that I had to be out there raising my fist for them, if anybody, right? And And for the rest of the people that are, in this country that don't have a voice and don't have the ability to be able to go out there and they can post whatever they want on Twitter, but no one's going to see it. Right. Like they're the people that need the athletes and, and the people of influence to be able to get up there and, and speak for them on behalf of them. Because at this point in time, they don't have a voice, you know, and it, it's, it's truly sad. I'm just hoping that, you know, as the, the days, the months, the weeks tick on that, these initiatives will be put into place and, and you'll start seeing some real change in this country. Yeah, no, um, 
they they came out though the shirts that you guys were wearing that night and coaches and staff and everyone was wearing um you were able to buy them online so i purchased mine mine's on my way i'm looking forward to wearing it um and and support the whole cause right because look it's about time that we finally get behind this and we go forward but um the time is now right um that's my little segment so the time is now. How are you kind of giving back to people around your community, fans, stuff that you do um, in your own time to kind of help people out? What, 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 what do you think you can do to kind of, as we've talked about and hit right there, what, what, what are you doing to try and make the world a better place? I just, I would say that what I, what I don't do is make the world a, a worse place. Correct. You know, yeah. just by being you know, the old slogan and the clothing brand plug for the clothing brand right now, but be a good person, right? Like yeah. it's not just a phrase. It's something that you can actually live by. And it's just like, live, live your life the way you would or treat other people the way that you would want to be treated. Right. And it's just, it's as simple as that. I, I feel like I'm a, a pretty generous guy. I feel like, um, I'm fairly positive in, in most aspects. Um, and I just try and keep that energy high at all times, you know, and just try and keep that positivity flowing because it, you don't have enough time to be sad. You don't have enough time to be ungrateful. You don't have enough time for that, you know, because like I said before, I have a family on the other side of the, the world that have nothing. And if it wasn't for my dad and um, me and other family members being outside the country supporting them, you know, I don't know where, what, what would happen to them. Right. You know, and, and, I started like, you know, I started my, while we're down in Orlando, obviously I took my guitar and I, I picked up the guitar again in quarantine. And, you know, I was kind of sitting in my room, strumming along, playing the guitar and just thinking like, I'm, I'm, I'm learning these songs and it, it's entertaining me. It makes me feel good. You know, it makes me feel happy. I'm not the greatest guitar player. I'm not the greatest musician, but if this makes me feel good, maybe it makes someone else feel good. So, you know what? I said to my fiance, I'm like, I'm just going to make these videos. I'm going to post them. Because I don't even care if no one watches it, but it might touch one person that day. And if it touches that one person, it makes them feel a little bit better about their day or about maybe their situation they're going through. Or to see some guy struggling to sing on, <laughs> on a video, it might make them feel better, right? And to know that maybe they can do something, right? And that was my whole goal with that, was just to kind of try and spread some positivity. And I'm just sick of seeing, like, you know especially being in America right now with you've got Democrats and Republicans and left and right and all ups and downs and all this kind of stuff going on. You've got people kneeling for a national anthem and getting abused and you've got, you know, you've got police brutality. You've got just so many issues going on. There's just so much hate going on right now in the world, you know? And I just like, I can't, although I'm like a small piece of influence, like if I, like I said, if I can hit one person, I'm happy. Yeah. And and look at, I know, I know after you kind of, you were thinking about this whole moose tracks thing, it went from Tuesday to Monday. I think my number one reason I, I voted in on it, my mind was look at on a Monday, most people's Mondays are not great, right? Sunday was nice. Saturday was nice. Back to a Monday. Um, Mondays are not normally great days for people. Um, for sometimes and look at what, what, what even the one you posted last night whether i'm laughing at you singing or learning a new song or whatever it might be um 
what it, I was just saying, whatever it might be, whether I'm laughing at you or whatnot for the videos, look at, I'm, I'm getting joy from it. Right. And, and that's, that's all you want, whether I'm laughing with you or at you. Um, that, that I think moving it to, 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 to Monday was the best thing you did because Mondays are not great sometimes. Um, tell me how, how can we find Musa track videos or, well, are we going to be seeing them on YouTube eventually? Is it just, how, how Ooh, that's them? a good question. How can we find them for the people listening? Well, I'm not really like anybody who knows me knows I'm not a tech guy at all. all right. <laughs> so things like I'm not even really a social media guy. I kind of just, if I get pictures from my guy at the club, I just, I'll post them. Um, for me, like I never even really thought about YouTube to be honest. It was like Instagram is my only form of social media. So I thought, why not just stick it on there? Um, so yeah, it's all on my Instagram at Musa 41 underscore. I think's my Instagram tag. I think <laughs> I have to double check if, that. If, but. if not, they can check out my Instagram. I'll throw, I'll throw up this week's one, um, for people to give a look at. Um, but even, even, but, even well, I just want to, I just want to say one other thing on. though about that. I just want to say it, it is just banter. Like if anybody thinks like I'm taking that seriously, like, it's just a bit of banter. You can throw shade at me because it is really just banter. And one of my friends messaged me yesterday right after I posted it. And he goes, stop saying hashtag. <laughs> and I go, and I was just weak laughing. I was like, I was like, bro, I don't even know I'm saying it anymore. <laughs> yeah, it just comes I mean, out. I was like, yeah, I probably should stop saying that, right? <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. I don't say it here. So, um, but anyways, but, but the thing about it, right, I asked you the question about the time is now and I'm like, the, like I, think, I think it's an unbelievable way to hit someone's day. Um, or they're looking, there's a lot of people with mental health right now getting to listen to you, seeing you, right, that you can actually see you. People, people back home in New Zealand can see you um, doing it. Sisters, moms, brothers, um, dad and all. And I think it's, I think it's great. Like it helps people's mental health, whether they're reaching out to you after having banter or what, you know what I mean? It gets, it gets some positivity every Monday for us. And like you said, like with that, I've had, you know, not feedback, but I do get a lot of messages. You don't see them on the comments, but they message me privately, but you know, people say, Oh, I really like that. Thank you. Can't wait for next week. You know, like, um, keep doing it. Like all, you know, just like nice things. And it's like, I don't need that to feel good about myself, but like, I can see that that's hitting other people. Yeah. Um, and like you said, mental health, um, you know, I probably should have touched on that before, but, um, it's, that's a real thing. People, you know, mental health's a real thing right now. And we were chatting before the podcast kind of started and, um, and, you know, suicide rates at the moment are, are sliding up, um, domestic abuse rates, you know, just during this pandemic, they're all sliding up on the, on the, on the scales. And, and that's not something that we as like humans can overlook or, or kind of just dismiss, you know, because these are real human lives that are being taken, you know, at that, at their own hands. And, whether it's through them not seeking help um, or, with, with, you know, whether they've just been almost like sick and tired of just what's going on and, and the situations we're in with coronavirus and staying at home and, you know, all these things don't help people's mental health, you know, at all in the slightest. And I know we spoke a little bit before this and it's like, it, 
we shouldn't be happy that people are taking their own lives. We shouldn't be happy that these things are continuing to happen every day. And I think more light needs to be shed on that fact. And um, we're getting a lot of other statistics thrown in our faces right now, which to me is like down here on the, on the scale of what, what's important. And what's important is, is people being mentally, you know, okay. And my mom works within mental health back home. So it's, it's something that's close to us as a family. And um, yeah, I just think that checking in on your friends during this time and making sure you haven't heard from someone, reach out to them because, you know, you don't know what that person's going through. You know, even if they are, they might be scared to open up. But, you know, having those conversations and feeling safe about putting yourself out there will help you recover from whatever you're going through. Yeah, look at Monday Moose Tracks. I'm glad it's a thing, right? Um, is there any way that we can get told what the next song is going to be next week? Um, Ooh, got to keep that one close yet? to the chest. Oh, Nah, I don't know no. yet. I recorded a bunch of songs while I was down in Orlando because I had the free time. So right now I'm just rolling those ones out that I've already pre-recorded. Um, so once, and now I'm learning because a few people made some requests. And so I'm currently like learning those songs not not so much the guitar it's, it's the words i have no idea you got to memorize the whole song like, like that's when you feel like these artists are talented man they get on a stage and they're just singing for an hour and a half two hours and i mean to remember all that is 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 a talent in itself um so yeah i'm trying to learn a few few more lyrics right now and then i'll make a few more videos but i mean it's not a you know i have no end time for it you know, it's kind of just, I'll just see how it goes and just keep going and keep doing it as long as I feel happy about it. And, you know, if I, if I have to go somewhere where I don't have my guitar or something, maybe I don't record any more songs. But as for now, since we've been in the bubble, it's, they're going to be up there every Monday. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to seeing more. Going back to questions that people might have thrown at you, like, are you taking this serious? Um, I have a serious question for you. Do, do you actually look at maybe, I don't know how it could be, because it could be virtual now, but America's Got Talent. Would you would you go for it now? <laughs> no chance. <laughs> no chance. You, no you can chance. have UXs. I have no interest in singing professionally. <laughs> I, well, here's my first thing, is that I can't, I know I can't sing. So that's the thing. I, I sing about as good as you probably sing, except... No, you're a little bit better. No, 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 no. It's just the fact that I'm actually like putting myself out there, right? Like if you were to do the same thing and, and sing, like you would sound the same, right? I don't sound like John Mayer sounds. I don't sound like Jack Johnson sounds when he's singing. I know I'm, I well know that, you know, but um, that's not what it's about. I'm not trying to, to do it like them. Um, actually, Fatima, my fiance, her, her cousin is an unbelievable singer, like really, really good. So I've got, she's going to come on and she's going to, next time I'm in Chicago, I'm going to record a song with her. And so I think when that one comes out, then you'll hear a good, you'll finally hear a good singer. <laughs> so that will get up onto YouTube somehow and we'll have some hits. Maybe, you never know. Maybe. This, that one's going to go viral. Mark my words, it's going to go viral. <laughs> All right, I can't wait to see it. Um, look at, we started out, uh, we had a great discussion today. Uh, when COVID lifts, Where's a place you'd like to visit that you've never been? And for vacation, right? Look at, it's nice to see family, nice to see things, but it's also good to see different cultures, um, learn, learn how different people interact in their own country. Where's somewhere you haven't been um, 
that, that you would like to go to hopefully sooner rather than later? Well, I won't say it's like, um, well, yeah. So we were already going to, you know, if, if travel restrictions lift and things, you know, start to clear up, which I don't see happening anytime soon, but um, the off season plan was to go to Hong Kong. I have a friend that currently lives over in Hong Kong. Um, and from what I see of Hong Kong, it's, you know, beautiful. Some of the islands and the, the, yeah. the scenery there is just spectacular. Like you wouldn't even believe it. If, <laughs> if I showed you a picture of it and said, this is Hong Kong, you'd be like, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, it's a, it, that was the place that we wanted to visit this year while he was there so that we could experience it. And that's one thing for me um, and my kind of friendship group that we have is that when guys are, because we're all around the world. Being Kiwis, we, we leave New Zealand early and we will go around different places of the world. So one of our things is like, if someone's in a certain place, like we want to go and see that place. It's a good excuse to go somewhere different, right? It's so, a good excuse. That's what we say, yep. Yeah, so we want to um, go to Hong Kong and see that. And I would say, other than that, probably Bali or something like that would yeah. be another place that we would like to go. Yeah, no, I mean, look. What about you? Where do you want to go? Um, look at, I, I mean, one of my favorite movies, um, things that kind of got me into my degree of like sports management, looking at things different way, um, was Nelson Mandela. I'd love to go visit his country. Um, gotta go to South Africa. I'm telling you, gotta go. I know. Hopefully, hopefully it's something that I get to, um, sooner rather than later. But I think, I think what that man did for his country is unbelievable. Going, like, I know you've, you've been there. Um, going to some of the, the different sites um, that are there to, to be able to go look at and see where he was. And um, still South Africa rugby is still great to watch. And anytime mm -hmm. I watch it, I think about Nelson Mandela. Um, yeah, that, that's definitely one place. Um, but I think another one, another one might be, I like to go to Greece. Um, mm. I, I think that, that looks pretty cool on Instagram and Twitter and whatnot too. Um, so, so yeah, no, those, those will kind of be my, my two places I think I'd like to hit next if possible. You've got to go to Africa. Anybody listening here, like, you've got to go to Africa at some point. You have to go. You see, I mean, there's so much history of this world that comes from Africa, you know, that people, you know, it will be an education. You know, you're going to go over there and you're going to learn a lot of things about, the world and yeah. about you know humans and civilization but like you said you can go over to south africa you can go to robin island where mandela was in prison for yeah. was it 27 years i think he was down there yeah you can go see his prison cell see the conditions he was in and then you will appreciate what he was able to do when he came out <laughs> yeah no it's i think i think um he's one of the the greatest people that i've never met who's impacted my life, you know, mm -hmm. um, the other one would be Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, but look at, I think those two guys are, are great people to look up to read books about, watch movies about all that good stuff. But, um, but look at, that's all we have in store for t today. Um, with James Musa, Moose, thanks for coming on, man. You're going to cut me short like that. Really? We could be here all day. Really? Couldn't we? <laughs> we, we, we honestly could. We, we might have, um, um, uh, part two before this, the, the next one comes out, you know, um, 
I think your background, your knowledge on the game, um, some people would call it coffee dates. For us, it would be football chats. I know we've had when we were back in Phoenix. Um, I love talking to you. Love being able to call you friends. Um, glad you're able to come on. Um, I enjoyed that chat. I really did. No, it was great. That was a good chat. Um, so look, we, at, some, we, we hit some good points. Um, I think people will be able to take a bit away from that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, if anybody's listening in, um, look at, I'll post some stuff on, on my social media personally and on the accounts. Um, James's uh, Monday moose, moose tracks um, every Monday to look forward to. Um, James, I'd like to thank you for coming on the show. All the listeners so far, thank you for, for listening, support. Um, don't be afraid to give a, a rate and a review. Um, moose, anything else? Subscribe. <laughs> share it <laughs> like it put it out there people because i think dara is going to get a lot of interesting people on here um and talk about some interesting things um and i think you know i'm just one part of you know and i have my information benny has his information i think there's a lot of people um that we're all connected with that you know can shed a lot of light on on things and are able to give a lot of, you know, positive um, influence to people. And if you're listening and you enjoy it, you know, tell your friends about it. Um, Dara's going to go, do a good job. Um, he's got a lot of contacts. So I look forward to listening to the rest of these and, and seeing who else he gets on here. Cause they're going to be some pretty interesting people. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks James for coming on. And uh, hopefully we'll have a guest soon. Um, talk to you all soon. Thank you. Thank you.